Hello and welcome to the next instalment in a series of podcasts produced by expatriate law solicitors to assist British expats who are considering divorce or separation. Today's podcast will focus on Sri Lanka. I am delighted to welcome Rawani Dantaraniana from John Wilson Partners in Colombo, who joins me at the Law Asia Conference in Ventien, Lao on family law and children's rights. Rawani is an associate at John Wilson Partners in Colombo, Sri Lanka. She has worked at John Wilson for five years. In her position as an associate with John Wilson, she works in the firm's private client department where she carries out legal research for client legal advice needs and preparation of legal opinions, both for foreign and local clients. She works primarily in the areas of family law, citizenship, immigration and employment law, and also foreign investment law and regulation. Rowani, thank you so much for agreeing to give us a background on family law in Sri Lanka. Can I first start by asking you, what is the jurisdiction for divorce in Sri Lanka? And can British expats divorce in Sri Lanka if they live there? Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you for having me today. Um, yeah, so jurisdiction is based on residence. Um, and so it dep- the civil p- there's a p- special provision in the Civil Procedure Code that says that um, it depends on where the plaintiff resides. So with your question regard to British expats living in Sri Lanka and if they want a divorce in Sri Lanka, the ground would be, I mean, the jurisdiction would be established by if, I, if the plaintiff would reside in Sri Lanka. So technically, yes. Right. And, and is there a minimum time they need to have lived there? Uh, no, there's no minimum time. Okay. In England, you have to be married for one year before you can get a divorce. Is it the same in Sri Lanka? There's no minimum time either. Um, yeah. So you could be married one day and then the next day you could get a divorce. Correct. <laughs> Technically. Technically, yeah. <laughs> um, so what is the divorce process and how long roughly does it take? Um, so the divorce process is where you would, uh, if either, if like this, for example, if the husband wants to file a case against the wife, he'd have to prove the fault of the wife. So we have a system of fault-based um, divorce system. Um, it will. It starts with the plaint, and then the other party is given the opportunity to file an answer, and then it goes to pre-trial, and then trial, where both parties are um, go through examination in chief, cross-examination, and then uh, re-examination, and then um, the p- then the court decides by giving a decree nisi, and then three months afterwards, uh, a decree absolute is given. So in b- in between the decree nisi and the decree absolute, the parties can change their mind if they don't want to divorce, um, but um, between that three months, you can't get married again as well, since the divorce is not final. But once the three months has expired, uh, the decree is made absolute, y- uh, you're considered as divorced. Okay, so that's based on uh, the fault of, of the respondent. Are there any other ways in which you can you can get a divorce? So in England, we have adultery or um, desertion. Is there anything like that? Okay, so the grounds for a fault-based divorce are adultery, impotency, uh, and malicious desertion. So okay. you can only have a fault-based uh, divorce. There's no um, nothing called divorce by consent in Sri Lanka. You have to prove the matrimonial fault of the other person. Okay, which is the most common one that you use? The most common one is malicious desertion because it's harder to prove um, adultery. It's almost like a criminal offense where you have to prove it beyond reasonable doubt okay. and then um, impotency it's it's again it's harder with medical evidence and so 
usually our clients tend to use desertion. So desertion has two aspects. So if I'm the one filing and my husband left me, then I can say, okay, that was desertion, malicious desertion. So he had an intent to leave and not come back. Okay. And then you, if I am the one filing, but I'm the one who left the matrimonial home, I can say it was constructive malicious desertion. So because of uh, the fault of my husband, I couldn't stay with him anymore. So I had to leave the matrimonial home. Um, and what about the finances? Are those dealt with alongside the divorce process? Um, and it, for example, how would assets typically be divided on a divorce? Okay, so we have a separate uh, property regime in Sri Lanka, not a co community of property. So what happens is that the ultimate decision is with the judge. The Civil Procedure Code says that. Um, you could uh, make any financial claims you have in the petition. So when I'm filing the case, I could say that I want this much of sum from my husband and, he and this, this property should be divided by like this. The judge can give consideration to that. Um, you can have a separate maintenance case, but that would be instituted in the magistrate court. District court deals with the divorce. Um, the maintenance case could usually have, you could ask for an interim order. So. Uh, until a final order is made by the maintain uh, by the magistrate, you can have like an interim order, which will um, give you a monthly sum till the end of the case. Okay, and um, is it quite common to be awarded spousal maintenance and child maintenance, or is it is it a combined sum? Like, how does that work if you have children? Um, no, it could be. Uh, it's again, it's up to the discretion of the judge of the court. Okay. So it can be either you, uh, that they can decide to give an alimony or lump sum. I'm sorry, um, uh, monthly sum to the wife and then child support separately. And okay. same in the maintenance cases. Okay. Um, and what is the process for disclosing details of your finances? Um, in England, we have to provide a sworn document with lots of financial documents in it and there's strict punishments if you don't comply. Um, what's it like in Sri Lanka? Well, there's nothing that you have to produce like a sworn document about you know, the assets you have. It depends on what you disclose and um, anything the other party um, knows about your finances as well. Um, yeah. The, yeah, so. Okay, but ultimately it just comes down to the parties what? saying this is yes. what I have and maybe yes. not. Not so having to provide any evidence mm -hmm. of it. So what you could do is you could also get like the employer of like the, let's say the husband is the one who's going to pay the maintenance and you can get the employer to submit whatever um, employment records he has as yeah. well. Yeah, okay. And what's about children? How are the arrangements for children decided in terms of who they're going to live with and how much contact they'll have with the other, with the other parent? Okay, so I'll start out by saying that the district court is the upper guardian of the child, of every child in, in the country. So okay. what happens is in you when you make your divorce application, you can make a custody application as well. Or you can make it like in your um, petition, you can include uh, provisions asking for custody of the child. So like um, we are... Um, we are a mixed system, so we have Roman Dutch law when it comes to matters like this because we don't have any express statutory provision which okay. talks about custody, like there's no written law about the custody of children. But the Roman Dutch law says that um, the preferential right is to the father. That's what the Roman Dutch law says, okay. but our case law has developed right now, so yeah. right now what the, what the principle is is the best interest of the child. So when it comes to very young children, we've seen in cases that the father, sorry, that the court um, orders custody to the mother in most, uh, like physical custody and legal yeah. custody is given to both. Um, it really depends, again, it's on the discretion of the court, how he decides yeah. to um, award custody. Okay. And do many of your clients 
have a dispute about the children or do they tend to agree things between themselves? It depends. It depends. So sometimes you'll have like it's a mix. It, it's it's you can't say yes or no to yeah. that. It's just because it depends on each client. Sometimes they already know. Okay, my wife. I'll I'll give the wife you know physical custody and then yeah. we'll share legal custody. Or I'll have the kids on the weekends. It really depends. If if you do have an agreement, it's easier. Yeah. But then th- at the end, if you don't, if you can't agree based on evidence, the judge will decide. Yeah. And after he will do. Yeah. Okay. And um, is there much mediation in Sri Lanka? Is there, are parties required to mediate before they go to court for finances or children? Uh, okay, so there's no um, like written law that requires the parties to go to mediation prior to instituting legal action in court. Um, sometimes we do advise clients that they do seek m- methods of like uh, reconciling because in the div- divorce petition, it's easier, it's better, it supports your case if you show when you're trying to f- uh, prove the matrimonial fault of the other party that you actually try to reconcile and make the marriage work. Mm. But there's no requirement that you have to go to mediation. Are many people using mediation or um, are other ways of resolving disputes that aren't court? Or Again, it depends on how aware people are about yeah. these options as well. Right now, I think I think it's becoming, uh, it's it'll be new to Sri Lanka right now. But I'm hoping that all people will resort to mediation. But you have to get a court order to divorce. That yeah. you cannot settle out of court, and it has to be through a court order. Okay. Yes. Oh well, thank you so much for this summary of the family laws in Sri Lanka. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I hope to see you again soon at the thank next. Thank you. Conference. You too. Thanks.